0: Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. In today's episode, we are talking about pressure. Is pressure good for you or is it not good for you? We're talking about goals. Are your goals working for you? And we're talking about, can you arrive at a place of maturity where you really don't struggle anymore? That's what's on my mind for today on the art of being you. So let's dive in. This is our first inaugural episode. First things are usually really awkward, right? First time you go on a date, first kiss, first child you have, first... I don't know, first home, often there's a lot of awkwardness involved in firsts, and I'm hoping that this podcast, this inaugural podcast won't be awkward, but in case it is just know sometimes firsts are awkward, (laughs) but here's the deal. I am so excited that you are listening um, to this podcast. I've been really excited about starting this podcast for a while now My daily life is a little chaotic with four kids, including a two-year-old, and we run a church, and my husband has a couple businesses, and so I don't have a lot of quiet time where I can record things, but I really want to do this. I feel like God's put it on my heart, so here we are. So what do you talk about on a first podcast? Like, What do you decide to throw out there as your inaugural entrance into the world. If I'm being totally honest, most of you guys probably know this is not my inaugural entrance into being in the podcast world because I am regularly recorded with our church, Bethel OKC, and I'm on that podcast a lot, but this is a little bit of a different forum. So I thought today I would talk about what is front of mind in my life right now. And this is really coming off of something I feel like the Lord spoke to me about two Sundays ago that has thrown me for a tailspin. So I don't know about you, but do you ever have moments where you feel like God is saying something to you and it's like, I hear you Lord, but I don't have a frame of reference for what this means. Let's get real for a second. This is something that is commonplace in my life where the Lord will speak something, maybe a fresh revelation or something like that, and it'll take me a while to unpack it. But this particular one, I'm just gonna be honest with you, really has thrown me for a loop. And let me just give you the context of what happened. So we were at our pre-service prayer for our church, Bethel OKC, and this was two Sundays ago. And uh, so February of 2019. Okay. And so at this pre-service prayer, what we always do is we ask Jesus, we ask, we take a second to wait on the Lord and we ask Jesus, what are you praying for today and for the church? And the reason that we do this is because the Bible tells us that Jesus is always interceding for us before the throne of God. That's one of his jobs in heaven. And you know, he also instructed us to pray in the Lord's prayer, your will be done. In other words, I don't wanna pray my will and the things that I can think of. I wanna pray what God wants to happen because those are the prayers that get answered and that are effective. So here we are, we're asking the Lord, what are you saying for today? And I see this picture of Jesus and he has this sort of, um, case, Sarah, Sarah type expression on his face, sort of a, a a laissez faire, not lazy or apathetic, but joyful, sort of like, you know, there is no care. <laughs> okay. This is a good way to say it the Hakuna Matata expression on his face. And he looked at me and he said, today I'm giving you joy. And I said, that's great, Lord. I love that, right? Because who doesn't need more joy in their life? And then he said, also, there is no pressure. And when he said there's no pressure, I could see in his expression that there was just no pressure. And I got to be honest with you, it wrecked me because in that moment, I became hyper aware of how much pressure I live under all the time. What was really cool was as we ended our sort of prayer time we always end by gathering everybody that's there together and sharing what we feel like god was saying and always there's confirmations and people multiple people having the same picture which is always a really fun experience to see god doing that but on this particular day two other people heard the word joy And two other people heard this sort of, um, same idea as no pressure, but in different wording. So one of them said she saw a picture of Jesus in a bathtub with his shoes on, and he was kicked back having a great time, even though it was like, um, out of place sort of. And he was just excited to be with us on the journey. And then another person had, a a picture of Jesus, it was about joy. And she said, I feel like the Lord was saying um, that he wants us to enjoy the journey with him. So there was this theme, at least to me, arising of enjoying the journey, there is no pressure. What are you trying to arrive to and what are you trying to arrive for? So I finished that morning at church and my head was just spinning the whole day and the next day and the next day of just, what does this mean? There is no pressure. Let me give you a little background about myself for a second. So if you're familiar with the Gallup StrengthsFinder assessment, this is one of those personality tests that you take. This one costs some money to do. It's about 10 or $15. And it gives you your top five, or I think recently they started giving you maybe your top 10 strengths. So Gallup has identified 34 strengths that all people seem to have, and it ranks them for you on this test. So for me, my number one strength is strategic and my number two is communication. So what this means is that your strengths are either working for you or they're working against you. So how could a strength like strategic be working against you? Well, let me tell you, I can come up with five to 10 different ways in a moment to accomplish a certain goal, but the reality is, and the Christ-centered reality is none of those routes, none of those pathways may be what God wants to do. So in my strategic nature, I can come up with goals and systems and whatnot, but they all might be a little bit off the mark of what Jesus is really trying to do. That's an example of how the strength can be working against you. So I try really hard to stay in line with what God is saying, but here all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, so if there's no pressure, Lord. If you're not holding me to some mysterious timeline or some milestone, like when you have a child and they're not walking at one years old, you start to panic a little bit. You start to feel like maybe they're a little behind when they're not walking at 13 months old. You start to ask the doctor questions. Should we be trying something? Should we be trying to jumpstart this method for them? And doctors will tell you that milestones are a, a time frame. They're not a specific time in every kid is different. And I think this is what the Lord is saying with this no pressure idea. It's that there is no pressure. There's no milestone Jesus is trying to drag us to get to so that we can arrive at some point. About six or seven years ago, Grant and I had the privilege of having lunch with one of our heroes. His name is Graham Cook. If you don't know Graham Cook, honestly, you should probably just stop listening to this podcast right now and go YouTube him. He is such an amazing man who is full of so much wisdom and especially revolving around your identity as a son or daughter of God. But we had this opportunity to have lunch with him, and I was in the middle of this just really low point in my life, and I'm sure I'll share a lot more about that in future podcasts. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of like thinking to myself while we're listening to him tell stories of adventures in Africa and all this crazy stuff, like you know, a modern-day Bible figure. And I just finally, towards the end of his stories, I said, listen, can I just sort of vomit on you for a moment and tell you what's going on in my life? Because I may never have this opportunity again. And he kind of chuckled and he said, sure. And I just said, I don't like my life. And I just unloaded on him all the things that I was frustrated about, my disappointments, my doubts, my, I thought I was going to love this, but it turns out I don't like this. What do I do now? Type things. And as I finished about a five minute you know, explosion of negativity, he just kind of chuckled like, oh, oh, okay, I forgot to say this part. So I said at the end of it all, how do I get out of this? And so he kind of chuckled like a grandpa does when they know the answer that you are clearly blind to. And he said, Rachel, you will get out of it when you learn to love it. And so I looked back at him and I said, okay, so I'm never getting out of it. And I said, in all honesty, how do you learn to love something that drives you nuts at every moment? How do you learn to love a life that is so far from what you wanted it to be? And he began to share with me and he started sharing, you know, in our modern day, our our sort of postmodern world, our Christian perspective is that we will arrive someday. And when we arrive, we will no longer have issues. We will no longer sin. We will be full maturity. We won't be tempted. You know, we just sort of have this like utopia experience. And he said, we all think this is a thing that there's a day coming for this. He said, but the reality is there's not, that's called heaven. On earth, we will always have trials and and struggles and situations for growth. And he said, so what you have to do is realize, number one, you're never going to arrive. And number two, the love of God and the presence of God is always 100% constant towards you. In other words, who God is, is constantly available to you through what Jesus did on the cross. And so we go through these mountaintops and these valleys. And when we're on the mountain, we're sort of aware of this constant presence of God. But when we're on the valley, in the valley, we sort of make ourselves unaware. We, we forget to look. And he basically said, if you will begin to discover who God is being for you while you're in this valley, then you'll get out of it because you'll realize You were never really in it because God is equally with you in this moment as he was and is on the biggest, most amazing moments of your life. I felt like I had read like a fortune cookie. It was a moment to me where I looked at him and I said, I don't understand what you're saying, but I feel in my heart that I know it's truth and I'm committing to figuring this out. I'm committing to thinking about this and understanding it. So in all of these years, I have done that. And it's actually been one of the greatest things I've ever done for myself is to really discover who God is with me in the valleys of my life, um, which have actually become the more amazing moments than the mountaintops. So fast forward six, seven years, here I am two weeks ago, hearing the Lord say there's no pressure. And so in my reeling and processing this, I'm realizing I'm coming back around to this same sort of Graham Cook moment where I'm realizing in ways in my life over the last year or so that I have sort of started putting this pressure on myself to be someone for God or to, to rise up to some sort of, you know imaginary milestone that the Lord wants us to have. And the danger in that is that we can forget what it's like, or or, maybe I should say it this way. We can forget that the focus should be on being with him, not what we're trying to be for him. Again, I am a strategic person. I love goal setting. In fact, I love goals so much. I have goals in every area of my life. But I know this no pressure concept has been um, breathed on from God because of this right here. Another thing that's been happening in my life is this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I came across this book at the end of last year and I started reading it. I got about a chapter and a half in and then Grant, my husband, stole the book from me and I took a pause on it. Well, in the pause while he was reading it, I figured out that this book was going to dismantle all of my thoughts. So as a true Weirdo Maybe that's not the right way to say it, but you know, in true me fashion, when it came time for me to start reading the book, I started resisting it because I knew it was going to be a hard read for me. In other words, it was going to be convicting and challenging, and I just wanted to resist that pain a little bit longer. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, I am a seven to the core, and this was a great seven moment for me. It sat on my nightstand for a solid month while I looked at it every day, thinking to myself, I know you should read this book, but I just don't know if I have the guts to go there in my my soul. So I finally said, all right, God, I'm getting it. I will read this book. And here's the deal. This book is not written from a Christian perspective. So if you're thinking it's like all God truths, it's not, it's actually a lot about brain science. But what I loved about this book when I finally dove into it was he makes this quote. And if you saw me on Facebook, if you follow me on Facebook, you probably saw this already. But in the quote, he says this, he said, we do not rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. We don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And what this means is that we can set goals all day long, but the way you actually achieve your goals revolves around the patterns or the systems of your daily life. In other words, if you, he uses the example, if you want to lose weight, but you don't have a system for eating healthy, then you're not going to achieve that goal. That goal might stay your goal for year after year, but it might not ever be achieved. So what we need to do is not focus on setting goals, but focus on setting systems, creating habits, working patterns into our lives that help us become who we want to be. Now, there is a little bit of a danger in this idea because we can almost try to invent who we want to be and mistake who we actually are that God designed because God actually wants you to be like you are. But there's a lot of wisdom in this in terms of personal growth as well. So for me, what I started recognizing was this, that I never achieve my goals. I don't know, maybe you're like me, or maybe you're great at achieving your goals, but I can set goals all day long. I can use my strategic strength and I can come up with, you know, I want to do this and I want to see this happen and all of that. But at the end of the day, are these goals actually being achieved? And when I look at my life, you know, 80% of them, the answer is a big fat no. And that's a hard thing to look at. But when I couple that with what God is saying that, why are you putting pressure on yourself? Why are you trying to sort of create this world where, um, you know, you're doing everything like you want to do. Why don't you just rest in me and just be who you are and let me refine who you are. Let me refine who I made you to be. And then the outworking of the faith in your life is what you do. And that's a really beautiful thing. So for a goal-setter, strategic person like me, that is a complete 180 turnaround, but I can tell you that something has been happening in my soul as I've been ruminating and processing this sort of, there is no pressure mentality. And I started asking myself this question, what would it look like if I didn't feel pressure to achieve this goal or that goal? What would my daily life look like if I took this pressure off in this area? And here's the funny thing about pressure. It's that more often than not, we put the pressure on ourselves when Jesus is not really putting that pressure on us. Does that mean that God doesn't want you to grow in this or that area? Of course not. It just means that he trusts himself enough to guide you without there being a heavy yoke or burden. How do I know this? Because Jesus himself says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That doesn't mean that following Jesus doesn't have difficulty or hardship, but that when God is wanting to do something in our life, he takes the onus and the brunt on himself. And if we will just trust and obey, he will lead us and guide us to a really amazing place, a really amazing breakthrough, a really amazing level up. It's about trusting him and resting in him. So for me personally, I'm exploring what does this look like to not have pressure in my life right now? What, what would it look like if I took the pressure of achieving some of these goals off and I started focusing on the systems, in other words, the patterns of my life, the small disciplines And focusing on those more. And and so maybe for me, or maybe if you're like me, like a strategic person, what I have to frame it in my mind is saying, these are my goals. My goals now are these little things, these small decisions, these patterns of behavior and discipline. So I guess that's my question for you is what would your life look like if you took the pressure off? And maybe another question is who is putting the pressure on you? i don't know if you know this song there's an old queen song called under pressure queen and david bowie did this song together and it actually sounds a whole lot like vanilla ice's ice ice baby it's got the same beat to it which is kind of ironic and maybe a little sketchy as well. But um, this song, Under Pressure, is one of my favorite songs, weirdly. I don't know many of the lyrics, but I know the chorus. And I love pressure. And I've sort of always told myself, I love pressure. I rise to pressure and deadlines. I'm kind of one of those people. Some of my best creative work happens when there's a deadline. So how do you balance that with this idea that God is not putting pressure on you? Well, for me... It's becoming looking at where is this pressure coming from? I do believe that God does apply pressure to our spirits and our souls sometimes. I do believe that there are, you know, my old pastor used to call it the joy tube. There are times in life where you are squeezed so tightly by the Lord because he is exposing things. He's showing you what's really inside of you. He's growing you. And that pressure is really good for you. But the pressure that we put on ourselves to be something, to conform to something, to innovate to something, the pressure that we put on ourselves to achieve a certain something, that pressure is maybe not so good for us. So those are my questions for you today is to just dive in in your own thoughts. Who's putting the pressure on you? And do you feel pressure from the Lord to become something for him or to, you know, achieve something for him? And if you do, maybe take a second look at that because God is not looking for people who feel like he's a slave driver, right? Being a son or daughter of God is about working with the Lord because we love him and it's a place of delight, not working for him because we're afraid of what he thinks about us. And I think that's a good place to end today. Just check your heart. You know, just think about it. What is the pressure that you're living under? These are the questions I'm asking myself. What would it look like if I took the pressure off of some of these goals that I've been thinking about? I can tell you for me, it's equal parts exhilarating and terrifying because I don't know what my life will be like if I truly let go of that. But on the flip side, I can see that having this sort of unhealthy pressure on myself is not doing me any good either. So I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you and I'm really excited about this podcast. So if you like what you heard today, I would love it if you would subscribe and, you know, rate it, rate it on iTunes. I would love to get this podcast out into the world, um, but I'm not putting pressure on myself to do that. That seems like the appropriate thing to say at this point. (laughs) But anyways, I love you guys. I hope you have a fantastic day and um, I will see you next time.